this on? Yeah. This is going to be awkward. I don't like doing this with this. I'll try to remember to hold it close. So if you have your Bible this morning, if you want to go ahead and find John chapter 21, we'll be in John 21 this morning. Um, let me ask you this. It's so easy to get disappointed, isn't it? It's so easy or our expectations when they're not met, uh, when we don't get what we want. Uh, we, may, we might work hard, we might do our best, but life just doesn't work out the way that we think that it should. You know, when things, when they don't go our way, uh, you know, when you don't get that job, when you don't get the promotion, when you don't make the team, uh, it may be something as simple as going to the grocery store and, and them not having your favorite brand of snack. I mean, you know that sinking feeling when you go to Kroger's and on that shelf where the salt and vinegar potato chips normally are and they're not there, it's empty? You feel that, don't you? Sometimes we're disappointed when we get something that we don't want. I mean, nobody wants to get a flat tire, nobody wants to catch the flu, but we can get disappointed in others as well, can't we? People, they don't always, they don't always meet our expectations. Uh, have you ever looked up to somebody and, and they let you down? I mean, they let you down hard. Have you had high hopes, high expectations for someone and they didn't even come close? But for most of us, at some point, we've all been disappointed in ourselves. You know how that is, don't you? I, I can't believe that I did that again. How, how could I be so stupid? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? You'd think I'd know better by now. You might even ask, what's wrong with me? We've all experienced disappointment. And maybe this morning, you're disappointed. But God allows, God allows disappointment to come into our lives. In a way, we could say that disappointments are really, they're really his appointments. It's in those times when we're disappointed that he has some things for us to learn. And today, I want to look at one of the disciples. I want to look at a disciple who was probably, probably pretty disappointed, not because of uh, not because they were out of his favorite snack at Kroger's. No, he wasn't disappointed in his friends, not in Jesus. He was disappointed in himself. And when Jesus said, all of the disciples, all of you guys are going to desert me, Peter says, no, not me. I'm going to stand beside you. Thick, thin, it doesn't matter. Nobody else does. I'm sticking. He was arrogant. He, he was strong-willed. He was so sure of himself. And I bet he expected more of himself. But what happened with Peter? Before that rooster crowed, Peter had denied Christ three times. Peter was disappointed, not in Jesus, because Jesus had met all of his expectations, had exceeded all of his hopes. The, the apostle, he'd seen the empty tomb. He'd even seen the risen Savior twice. Peter was disappointed that day in himself. See, he'd let his Lord down. He'd let Christ down. And he figured he was a failure, that he was a disappointment. So let's pray this morning. We're going to read our text, and we're going to learn how we can dump all of our disappointments. Let's pray. 
Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we're able to be here, that we're able to worship. Uh, thank you for just being who you are. Father, I just pray that as we go to your word this morning, um, as we look at this amazing passage in your word that, that tells us how you helped your followers who were disappointed find an appointment with you and come back to you. Father, I just I thank you so much for, for your son, Jesus. I thank you for, for just the amazing, this amazing word that we have this morning. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 21, starting in the first verse, God's word says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, remember him? Thomas, doubting Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The others, other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So I have a lot of points this morning. So I want us to go, and we're going to look at seven ways, seven ways that we can dump our disappointments just to get rid of them. And the first of those is don't give up when you're feeling down. Don't give up when you're feeling down. Uh, Look at Peter. When he's feeling down, when he's feeling depressed, he, he wanted to go back and do some of those things that he used to do. But when he did, when Peter went back, he found that that stuff that he used to do, it didn't work. And I wonder today if some of you are tempted to do the same thing. Maybe you're going through a hard time right now, and you just want to walk away from this whole Christianity thing. Maybe you feel like people have let you down, so you just... You just want to get away from everything. Peter, Peter discovered the hard way that you can't go back, but we can get through it. Several years later, he would write in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, he said, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, as Rick Warren, as Rick Warren states, you, you'll never know that God is all you need 
until God is all you've got. In fact, in fact, if you're a Christian, God won't let you find satisfaction in those things that used to, that you used to, because He loves you too much to let you stay that way. To me, it's interesting that they went back to fish at night. But it shouldn't surprise us. It's, it's always dark. It's always dark when you decide to go back to that old gang, the old ways, the old spots. It's always dark. Maybe you've tried it. Maybe you're thinking about it, going back right now. Are you close to giving up? With, with all that God has done for you, don't walk away from him his, or his church. Keep serving him faithfully, no matter what. Don't give up when you're feeling down. Next one, we can do nothing apart from Christ. We can do nothing apart from Christ. It's amazing to me, there were at least three professional fishermen on that boat. There's three of them on the boat that night, and, and, and they knew how to fish. It was their career. But they didn't catch a thing. Verse 3 tells us that night they caught nothing. I, I, to catch nothing is pretty unusual, and no, no doubt that led to a deeper level of disappointment and discouragement among the disciples. And after all, they decided to go fishing that night just to get rid of the blahs. See, there's this time that comes, there's a point in life that comes when you go back to doing what you used to do, and you realize it stinks that there was nothing really there and there never was it sounded so good because you reminisce about the good old days you're they're thinking about the wind blowing through their hair the smell of fish in the air the rocking of the boat and just hanging out with the boys it sounds so good when when you thought about it but when you actually got there it wasn't the way you thought it would be because it doesn't work any longer and you'll come up empty Jesus was teaching them the truth of something that he had said earlier in John 15 he said for apart from me you can do nothing see he was teaching them that they couldn't rely on their experience or, or, or their expertise to achieve anything so easy to go through those motions, isn't it? Go through those religious routines. If we were honest, if we were really honest, we would admit that most of us rely on our own abilities instead of surrendering to God's spirit. It's so easy for us to be fooled into thinking that we're the ones that are accomplishing something for God. But, but the truth is that we're not. We need to allow those times of disappointment to reveal how easy it is for us to get bored with our faith. We need to ask ourselves, have we lost that passion for Christ? And we need to be honest in that response. When Jesus spoke to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, he commended them for their hard work, how they had persevered through tough times. They had certainly worked hard for the Lord. 
But Jesus points out something was significantly wrong. Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Let me ask this. Have we abandoned our first love? If we have, we need to repent. We need to get back on track. We can't refuse. We need to refuse to settle for second best. Jesus doesn't tolerate anyone or anything taking his rightful place in your lives or in his church. And as we walk through the trials and difficulties, as we experience disappointment in life, God's stripping away all of that junk that's hanging around in our lives so that we can see that we can't do anything apart from him. And when we realize the truth that our nets, that they're empty, that's when we'll see the need for God to fill us. And it's at that point we either bend our knees or we'll get broken. Maybe there's some bending and breaking taking place here this morning. And that's not a bad thing. We can do nothing apart from Christ. And our third way, the third thing we'll look at is obedience is always the right choice. Obedience is always the right choice. In verse 5, Jesus, we see Jesus, he calls out to the disciples. He calls them children. He asks, how, how's it going? You catching anything today? He wants them to admit the fact that they've caught nothing. And, and, and right there is one of the most amazing miracles in all of Scripture. A fisherman says he didn't catch anything. I mean, fishermen, they always say, hey, you should have seen the one that got away. It was like... And we fought it for hours, and finally the line broke and the nets broke. But boy, he was a big one. Jesus calls them children. He's showing their, his affection towards them. He's showing that, that he still loves us even when we go astray. He's just watching. He's watching us try to rely on our own expertise. And he sees those empty nets. And he wants to fill them up. He, he still loves us even when we've messed up and walked away from him. Max Lucado said it so well. He says, he loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And the way he changes us, the way he it, it, it changes our lives, it's through obedience. When, when we decide to obey him, no matter how we're feeling, no, how, no matter how empty we are, and no matter whether it makes sense or not, he's honored. In Jeremiah, the people, they make a commitment. They make a commitment to be obedient to the Lord. Listen to what they say in Jeremiah 42, verse 6. Whether it is good or bad, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. See, that's what he wants from us. He wants obedience. And that's exactly what the disciples did when Jesus said to throw the net out the right side of the boat. It didn't make much sense. They've been trying to find fish all night. But 
they chose to obey. And I wonder, how many blessings in life have we missed out on? How many blessings have we not experienced simply because we haven't obeyed what he's told us? Obedience is always the right choice. And the next way to dump our disappointments, this is something that we all need to hear, and we all need to know this. Blessings are closer than we think. Blessings are closer than we think. The difference, now think of this, the difference between an empty net and one that's overflowing was only the width of the boat. Three or four feet, it couldn't have been that big. That's the difference between blessing and empty nets. That's how close they were to success. Three or four feet. And you might be three or four feet away from success today. You might be three or four feet away from success in your life, in your ministry, in your occupation. But the question we have to ask is how do we move those three, those four feet to get where we need to be? The answer is simple. Just do what Jesus says. Listen to what he's telling you. Maybe he's been speaking to you uh, to, to about a certain issue in your life, but you've thought, well, your direction, it doesn't relate to the challenge that I'm facing today, but it does. The disciples, they could have said, hey, guy. They don't know it's Jesus yet. They could have said, hey, bud, um, we've been out here fishing all night. We've been doing this. We're the experts here. I mean, we've been out here fishing since we were old enough to walk. What does three or four feet have to do with anything? But what happens when they did what he said? Their nets was, those nets were full. And you might be that close as well. All you have to do today is to listen to him and obey him. But we do need to understand that we can't, we can't fish the blessings out of life. But we can catch what God sends our way. The disciples understand the disciples in their own strength and strategy. They came up empty. But when they obeyed, when they listened to what Christ said, God sent his blessings. Blessings are closer than we think. Now, the fifth way for us to dump our disappointments is do whatever it takes to get close to Jesus. Do whatever it takes to get close to Jesus. John was the first to recognize that this stranger giving them fishing advice from the shore, that that was Jesus. And maybe that's because of all the disciples. It, it was John who hung in there while Jesus hung on the cross. His, his love for his master, it was never questioned. And Jesus had a special place for him as well. And as they're struggling with those nets that are all of a sudden full, John turns to Peter and he says, do you know who that is? That's Jesus. And verse 7 tells us that as soon as Peter heard this, he grabbed his outer garment and he jumped in the water. Now, going back to John and to Luke chapter 5, where Jesus performed his first fish miracle, Peter, he says, get away from me. And now he's jumping out of the boat in order to get to him as quickly as possible. 
When, when the disciples, when they saw Jesus walking on the water, Matthew tells us in Matthew 14, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. When Peter, when he knew for certain that it was Jesus, he got out of that boat and walked on water towards Jesus at least for a few steps. The first time Peter needed confirmation it was Jesus, but this time he doesn't because he knows for sure who this is. And yet again, Peter can't stay in the boat. He has to get where Jesus is at. Peter wouldn't let anything stop him or keep him away from getting to Jesus. And while he certainly still had some guilt and shame, I think Peter knew that Jesus would forgive him. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get close to Jesus? See, we can't, we can't be passive about this. Spiritual growth, it will only happen when we, we, when we become disciplined to read the Bible, to pray without ceasing, to worship with other believers, to serve others, and ultimately to be fishers of men. We have to take action. We have to do something. And I don't know how disappointed, I don't know how disillusioned you are today, but I know the truth is that you are only as close to Jesus as you want to be. See, we, we can't just sit around and wait for growth to happen. We, have, we must want to grow. We have to decide to grow. We have to make an effort to grow. And we have to persist in growing. And it always begins with a decision that leads to action, to doing something. It's time for you to get out of the boat and start seeking Jesus as passionately as Peter did. Do whatever it takes to get close to Jesus. The next one, everything we accomplish is by his grace. Everything that we accomplish is by his grace. My favorite verse in this passage is verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Now, we're already told before this that Jesus already has some fish cooking on the fire on the shore. He's got some bread, but, but it's amazing what he does. He invites them to share what they do have. And it's interesting that Jesus asked them to bring these fish that they just caught. Now, the disciples, they knew they didn't do anything. They had really no part in catching those fish. They'd spent all night trying to catch some. No success, nothing, empty nets. They knew it was Jesus who provided that catch. All they did was put the net in the water and bring it back up. That's all they did. The fish in those nets, it tells us there were 153 large fish. These aren't fish that you would toss back in. These were keepers. They'd spent all night fishing and came up empty. And then with just a word from Jesus... A simple act of obedience, and the nets were full. It shows the magnitude of the miracle, that their emptiness, that it was replaced with God's provision. And that is such a great lesson for us to remember today. While we may do something for the Lord, we, we, 
we, may be, we might accomplish something for his kingdom, but we need to know the truth that it's all by his grace and his grace alone. We really can do nothing. And yet, half the time we take the credit for those things that go well in our lives and in the church. And Jesus, Jesus, he allows us to participate in the blessings. He allows us to partner with him in the work that he's doing in the world. But... Well, I'm going to just say, we need to make sure that we're free from pride because it has some very ugly consequences. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, it says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. God's word, it doesn't tell us that the disciples, they got out of the boat, they started high-fiving each other like, Man, look what we did. They didn't celebrate their fishing expertise. Jesus was the one who filled their nets. Daniel chapter 4 verse 37 says, And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Hebrews 13, 6, it reminds us how easy it is for us to take the credit and become spiritually sluggish and become proud of our accomplishments. Hosea 13, 6, it says, But when they had grazed, they became full. They were filled, and their heart was lifted up. Therefore, they forgot me. And as James chapter 4, verse 6 makes very clear, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Everything is about God. It's all about God. And for some reason, we often think that it's about us. I don't know if that's me, but I'm unplugging it. I don't know. It wasn't that. Hello? Can you hear me now? It's all about God, but so often we think that it's all about us. Hello? Maybe it's, I have, must have a magnetic personality. Um, it's, let me get back to where I was. It's, it's all about God, but so often we think it's about us. And maybe you struggle with this. Maybe, you, maybe you've gotten a little too big for your britches. So how do you know if you have a pride issue? I'm going to let you know. First one is you think that you're humble. Because you tell people how humble you are. You tell them, I am such a humble servant. Now, if you have to tell somebody that you're humble, guess what? You're probably not humble. It's, it's like a politician saying, trust me. If, you, th- if you, you think that you're humble, you probably aren't. Next, you might have a little bit of a pride issue if you don't accept criticism. See, if you have a pride issue, it's either your way or the highway. I'm the boss here, and you do what I say. 
that's a pride issue. You might have a pride issue if you want to be the center of attention. Because you think that you are so much more important than everybody else. I need to be the center of what's going on. Another way, you don't like associating with those ordinary people, those unpopular people. Because you're always looking to get ahead in the world. You, you need to make the right friends and associations so that you can move forward. That's a pride issue. Maybe you like to name drop. You, you know, you brag about your connections to the rich, to the powerful, the famous, the influential. Uh, and I'm going to tell you this story. Um, you know I deliver mail. Anyway, so I delivered mail to a guy's business, but not to his home, and... He stopped me, and he was like, hey, my mail was on hold, and the mailman delivered it. I'm like, wasn't me. <laughs> Nothing I can do about it. And he, I'll never forget, he goes, now this is a few years back, he goes, well, the next time I have dinner with John Boehner, um, I'm going to tell him about how horrible the post office is. I thought, gosh, Really? Because your mail got delivered one day when you were out of town? Sorry. Like it didn't make any. You like to name drop. You might have a pride issue if you're not teachable. That's when you say, I'm smarter than you. You can't teach me anything. I know more than you do. And what you're saying, it doesn't apply to me or my situation. If you aren't teachable, you have a pride issue. You might have a pride issue if you don't listen to other people's advice. Because you're stubborn. Because, hey, nobody could do it better than me. And you just brush off that advice. You might have a pride issue if you consider others a threat to your position or to your power. And, and, and you do that because you're critical about other people. You point out everybody else's falls, and you're just doing it to make you feel better about yourself and, 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 and like you're better than someone. And see, all of that, the result of that is bitterness. Bitterness is the result of that pride getting stepped on. Today is a day that you need to settle this truth. Everything, everything that we accomplish, it's by his grace and by his grace alone. And finally, the last point. I know this should be number seven. Hopefully it is. Um, Jesus wants to rebuild what's broken. Jesus wants to rebuild what's broken. See, the emphasis in this passage, it's not really on the fish. The fish in the passage, they're just kind of secondary to what's going on. The emphasis here is on the fishermen. Those fishermen, they needed to be restored. And the only way that was going to happen was by spending time with Jesus. Jesus said, come have breakfast. Everybody's like, hey, who are you? Because they knew who it was. And Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. See, Jesus recognizes the truth in their lives. They've worked hard all night. They're cold, they're hungry, and he invites them to breakfast. Now, I don't know, I've never had fish for breakfast. Anybody ever had fish for breakfast? 
I have not. Doesn't sound very appetizing, but when you think about it, it's not really breakfast. They were working third shift, so it's dinner for them. So it's okay. They can have fish and bread in the morning. Jesus knew that they needed to have their physical needs met. They had to have those physical needs met before he could minister to those deeper needs, those spiritual needs. It's almost as if he's just giving them some time to sit with him and enjoy his presence. And as they eat those failures, they just faded away. As Jesus passes around his forgiveness. And in this setting, the disciples, they didn't have much to say because they're in the presence of their Savior. They were in awe. They had come to the shores of God's amazing grace, and they were invited back into a close fellowship with him, and they were restored into community with each other. Basically, what Jesus wanted was for them to be at peace with him and with others. And while we certainly need to wait on the Lord, this passage, what it does is it reminds us that Jesus that he's waiting on us. He's on the shore right now. He's inviting us to come and to sit down with him and be restored. He wants to rebuild what's broken in our lives. And those empty nets, they're just reminding us that he's not done with us yet. Are you ready today to get rid of all of your disappointments? Are you ready to just let them go? I have a big invitation, so bear with me. One of the first things I think that we need is we need to recognize that God's blessings are so much closer than we realize. Those men in that boat, they... They were in the right place. They were on the Sea of Galilee. They they were in the right boat. They had the right equipment. They had the right nets. They were ready. They had the experience, the expertise. There was only one thing missing. Doing what Christ told them to do. That three or four feet made all the difference in their lives. And there are blessings in store for you, for this church, for this country, if we are willing to take those three or four steps to the other side of the boat and listen to Christ and do what he says. That's how close it is. God wants to bless us, but he needs us to be obedient first. God has amazing plans in store for us when we're faithful, when we actually do what he says. He wants us to go and make disciples, and if that's not our emphasis, what are we doing? Jesus calls us to a life of service, of faithfulness, and obedience. And your aunts, they might be empty today, But you cross to the other side, and those nets will be overflowing. 
You can get as close to him as you want, but you have to take that step. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, just admit you're a sinner, that you've messed up, that you've come up short in life. Believe that Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, but on that third day raised back to life, knowing that he did that for you. Confess your faith in him. Allow him to be your Lord and your Savior. And if you've done that, let's experience those blessings. Let's quit having those empty nets in life. So as the worship team comes this morning, I want to give a multifold invitation. First, if you don't know Christ today, Make this the day that changes. Allow him to be the Lord of your life. Publicly profess your faith in him and allow your life to be changed. Second, maybe today you need to make that decision to get as close to him as possible, to experience those blessings in life. Because your nets, they're empty. And God has so much more planned for you if you're obedient. So if you want to make a decision this morning to say, Lord, I'm just going to do what you say and be faithful with what you've called me to do, I encourage you to come. You don't need to tell me. Come to these steps. And the last thing is maybe you have a pride issue. Maybe you... I don't know how to say it nicely. Maybe you have a problem and you think that the world revolves around you or that you're always right. Settle it today. God is in charge, not you. And if you need to just submit to his leadership in life and recognize that every blessing comes from him, I want you to do that. You don't need to tell me. Just come. I'm going to pray. Don't leave here without having those empty nets filled this morning. Get rid of those disappointments. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your son. Thank you for what he's done for us. Thank you for the incredible blessings that you have in store for us as we seek to be faithful, obedient, uh, just looking for ways to build your kingdom. Not our position, not our power, not anything else, but to please you. Because we know that you're in charge. We're just part of your plan. And we all have a, 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 an important part to play, but it takes all of us. Being on the same team, the same side, the same page. And Lord, I just know that as we submit to you, that your kingdom, it will grow and grow and grow we'll see blessings that we never think are possible. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for his just, his love, his kindness, his forgiveness, and ultimately for his salvation. And I pray all of this in his name.